2: sorcerer-wizard powers the engine of
1: science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of subtle fire.
0: This week, Buck Rogers in the 25th Century.
2: In the year nineteen eighty-seven, NASA's budget was cut so drastically that they accidentally invented time travel, back to
0: nineteen seventy-nine. Yeah, but in nineteen eighty-seven, was in the movie take place? Hey, wait! You don't sound like Luke. Who are you? I don't know. <laughs> who am I? <laughs> you know who you are.
2: I hit my head, and now I'm not British anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, uh,
2: uh- I'm Mark Malik. Hi, I'm not, I'm your pinch hitter.
0: Yeah, I, I'm Matt. Uh, this is the Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Um, th- this is my bad. Um, you know, I, I schedule these things on like January 10th, January 10th, so I said i January 10th, which it is for you guys, but it's January 11th here and he, he has a date, but he may be calling in or uh, he'll be doing the summary and stuff. You'll be hearing from Luke. Um, the plus side to this is that I'm actually Matthew. We've got Mark. Um, Luke is Luke mm-hmm. and, and today's guest is our first returning guest um, who I didn't play in punk bands with although our pinch hitter I did play in punk bands with um, hey, you still has, can yeah <laughs> he uh, talks up all the Star Trek on mission log uh, has an affinity for all the fun spy stuff in the 60s and 70s uh, retro futurism so hello John champion hey good to see you and and thank you for that intro yes you I think you pretty much
3: nailed me to a tee that's pretty much what I'll be known for forever and ever
0: (laughs) that's why you're here for uh, today's movie which is Buck Rogers in the 25th century the pilot was shown theatrically it counts as a movie and since we have Matthew Mark Luke and John here uh, anything we say about this is now the gospel truth But um, I'm going to throw this first to Mark, actually, because I I, Mark got 23 hours notice on this, did his homework, made some notes, all of that stuff. And I think this was completely new to you. Yes. The only experience I had with any Buck
2: Rogers anything was watching a bunch of the old serials in college and uh, not really paying a whole lot of attention. I don't remember very much about it. Did I make you watch those? Very new probably Was <laughs> <laughs> college was a, a, a full disclosure college was a long time ago
0: <laughs> yeah for me like this is ki- this was kind of the ground zero of my uh sci-fi i think i was like into this as a toddler right Whoa. like my parents wanted to watch mash mash is a great show but i wanted buck rogers or the muppet show uh i did see some mash too though so i didn't always get my way See, it's weird because you're younger than I am
2: and I don't remember this show being on and I think it's because there were only 37 episodes which is not enough for syndication. So I don't even... Um, I don't feel like I ever really had the opportunity to see it.
0: I think I might have been like really young, like one, because I was born in 79. Um, but yeah, later on I kind of remembered it and somehow I conflated it with Logan's run. Oh it, it, yeah, Yeah, oh, yeah, It looks yeah, but, like it. But as a kinda. kid I was like, but weren't there spaceships and why does this robot look so crap? (laughs) I was was really going to ask both of you. Do you think that
2: this future could eventually become Logan's run, the Logan's run future?
3: Oh, I, you know what? That that's not a bad bit of retconning. Uh, Logan's run is 30th century. And at that point they have just allowed, they've allowed the computers to run their entire city. And and as we see in Buck Rogers, they're ready to do that. <laughs> they're just yeah. like, here, tell us what to do. Uh, so I, I think you're onto something there.
0: Yeah. See, they're I, to I sentence, did kind of, sorry, go ahead, Matt. I was just
2: saying they're willing to
0: sentence people to death with their computers
2: already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was, it, it felt honestly, refreshingly optimistic to be like, this is a future where the singularity has happened and we're fine with it. We're just like, sure until until it got to that point also the fact that one of the robots just seemed to only exist to say nice things about buck rogers
3: isn't that nice yeah some programmer somewhere was like you know what if we're ever in a situation <laughs> that, that we have a 500 year old uh, thought out astronaut let's just let's have uh, a program in here that'll be nice why not because we seem to be missing a nice computer in all
0: of this
2: yeah i think in episode three it probably tries to sell him winrar
0: yeah. I think that's where Buster <laughs> Crabb shows up, the original Buck Rogers. Absolutely. <laughs> <Episode three. laughs>
2: he,
3: he's, yeah, yeah. He, he's, because uh, I don't know if you guys watched um, You watched the theatrical version, not the part one and two
0: Awakening. Actually, I think Mark got the part one and two because, again, of the 23 hours notice, and it's on got it, got it. Uh I yeah. watched the theatrical. Um, um, okay. If, yeah. I,
2: I went back and looked at, just sort of peeked at what um, I knew were supposed to be the differences. Which it seemed mm-hmm. mainly the intro sequence, which is absurd, <laughs> really. Compared to after watching it, it's ridiculous. And also, I think that the Tiger Man fight is just about two seconds longer in the theatrical version. Yeah, because he yeah, does not well, in the in the, he, he, in
3: the, that, the that is true. Yeah, they, <laughs> you leave out that um, the intro is different. Um, uh, yeah, obviously that whole uh, the opening credits and, and there's some. Other minor differences. Um, I, I think there's some stuff of Ardala, uh that we don't get in the uh, TV version that we do get in the theatrical. And the biggest thing is the change of um, uh, uh, not Killer Kane, but uh, uh, Joseph Wiseman, Dr. No as Draco is the, uh, the, the holographic image that we see in the theatrical version. We don't get that. We have a d- totally different actor playing Draco in the uh, in the TV series version. So I, I don't know what happened there. Uh, I don't know why um, Joseph Weissmith, they just figured like, okay, we're not going to use him. <laughs> but I mean, that's a pretty major star and he's in there for all
0: of about 10 seconds. But, you know, why not? Um, rolling back to the... Uh, the how'd you get into it frame of thought uh john where, where did you enter buck's world um uh, with the original airing yeah uh
3: so it, it's funny like you yes i remember other shows at the time like mash and you know my parents were big fans of mash rightfully so it's one of the best shows ever made um definitely i was following things like the muppet show but that that period of, you know, 1977, 78, 79, Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, they just, they sort of all ran together for me because this was this golden age of sci-fi on the big screen and on the TV screen. And um, and that's not even to discount the other things that were coming out. You know, Moonraker uh, was taking advantage of the, the Star Wars kind of zeitgeist that everybody wanted to do a huge, big budget sci-fi show or a sci-fi movie. Um, so Buck Rogers, like that showed up for me when I was really bummed that Battlestar Galactica was going off the air, but then really happy that Buck Rogers came along and just had this much kind of lighter, funnier, um, more kind of self-aware show than, than Galactica. I mean, don't get me wrong, Galactica is great, but you are telling this very heavy story from week to week, even though the 1978 version is far lighter than the 2004 version. Um, but Buck Rogers seemed to hit all the right notes for when it came out because you had this you know fun almost you know not as campy as Batman necessarily but but kind of cut from the same cloth you know, with with the the same idea. We can just do something kind of light and entertaining with a hero that we can just all sort of get behind, you know? So you had that, you had, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about great set design and, uh, special effects, particularly for a, a TV budget. You know, uh, they're really just stretching every dollar that they've got there. And, um, amazing guest stars. You know, I realized we're just talking about the uh, the pilot movie uh, and I wanted to mention Joseph Wiseman there, but like you get further into the series and, you know, kind of alluded to uh, Buster Crab showing up in the next episode. Well, the guest star in the next episode is Jack Palance. I mean, just, you know, right off the bat, you have these great appearances. So, um, yeah, I, I loved this show as a kid. And then when it came back for its second season, again super excited about it so happy and just as disappointed as i was with galactica 1980 because they just threw out everything that made those shows good in the first place and tried to just squeeze whatever last vestige of what made it work and and they they missed just a huge miss on both counts so um I'm always happy to talk about Bach, man. I'm, I'm glad you wanted to do this. What a great
0: excuse to bust out that Blu-ray, you know? Yeah, I, um, I was just thinking, like, this actually was on the coat heels of Battlestar. Like, both were Glenn Larson producing. And from what I understand, Battlestar was successful, but just cost mm-hmm. too much money to produce. And yeah. this was kind of the, um, their, their quick fix, so to speak.
3: Yeah, right, right. Um, And and it's too bad because, you know, the the TV landscape is so different now than it was then. And Galactica would be a runaway hit today with the numbers that they had then. Same thing for Buck Rogers. And, And not only would they be runaway hits, they would get five times the budget that they had then as well. Uh, I mean, proportionally, you know, five times the budget. Um, but the expectations back then ABC on a Sunday night, um, they were particularly with Galactica trying to do theatrical quality stories in a one hour format week to week. It just wasn't sustainable. And and it's too bad because they had everything going for them. Um, but you know, you can tell where they really started to cut corners. And then with Buck Rogers, I think they, They really had the right idea, which is, we we need special effects, but we don't need to rely so much on that. What we need is the leading man. We need to put him in these like like fun missions each week, you know, the uh, almost like a James Bond in space kind of thing, and uh, and you can rely on a lot of like. some location shooting that they did, but but also just sort of like grounded sets. Uh, you, you know, you've got your new Chicago sets and then inevitably they go to like the cave set. So it's like a very Star Trek thing. It's like, we just need to go back and redress that cave
0: set and that'll be our uh, our bad guy's lair this week. Um, Mark, I was curious, since you're pretty new to the whole Buck scene, what, what was your uh, kitty sci-fi? Uh,
2: well, Lost in Space, uh twilight zone if that counts as sci-fi i think it probably does i, I think um, we can count that star trek the original series um knight rider if that counts as sci-fi which it oh, is oh yeah you know it's sci-fi um the greatest american hero a little bit great theme um, song <laughs> yeah there were there were a couple of really weird things in that show that were beyond uh I don't know. There was some. There was some episode where everyone ended up in a weird other dimension, and it was just inside of a closet or something, and it was just a, a black space, and everyone was different psychedelic colors, and that just really imprinted hard on me as a kid. I guess. So yeah, I'm, <laughs> gonna,
0: I'm gonna have to search that out. It was weird. Um, so, just curious, yeah, um, I, I know you and I the, are often on the same sci-fi trip. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you know, I was I had a, sort of a sheltered. Um, childhood. My parents were a little were a little bit old, older. Not really into entertainment so much. The first sci fi movie I saw in the movie theater was *Flight of the Navigator*, which was I think mm. eighty six. So that was I was already almost ten, which is weird. And I did not see. Um, and I don't remember finding out that Darth Vader is Luke's father. <laughs> <laughs> I That's do impressive. not remember
3: until this moment. Uh, just actually, now. you just read it before you came on the air. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, what? it was it was in the Buck Rogers IMDb page for some reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a weird like out of out of order. Uh, the, my first experience with Star Wars was a a record that was like a storybook record, it, which oh, had wow. a lot of different voices. I don't know if you've heard that one or not, but no, very strange. Darth Vader sounds like a uh, generic like He-Man villain. It's really strange. <laughs> That's funny
0: Let's uh, get a bit into the story of Buck Rogers and here we roll with that.
1: Rogers is a NASA pilot on a mission in the year 1987. Something goes awry, and a combination of chemicals aboard his ship sends him into suspended animation. 500 years later, he's collected by a massive war vessel containing Killer Kane and the Princess Ardala. Ostensibly they are on a peaceful trade mission to Earth, but secretly they are planning to find their way through Earth's defense systems and conquer it. They send Buck ahead as their spy, hoping that the Earthlings will welcome him aboard and reveal the opening of their defence grid. However, when Buck arrives on Earth, and finds the one city that's left after the planet was ravaged by an environmental holocaust, the Earth Defence Corps are not happy to trust him and believe that he's a spy for Cain. Eventually, Buck is sentenced to death, but, along with Lieutenant Deering. He goes on a diplomatic mission to Ardala's ship, during which he rescues Ardala's ship from some pirates. Buck returns to Ardala's ship, where she wants him as her mate as she attempts to overthrow her father. This proves to the Earthlings once and for all that Buck really was a traitor. However, his mission is actually to disrupt Ardala's plans, which he achieves by inserting bombs into the engines of her fighter ships, and helping his robot friends send a message back to Earth. Finally, Adala's warship is destroyed, though she and Killer Kane escape to plot another plan, and Buck returns to Earth as a hero.
0: I guess I want to ask Mark first because you watched the TV version with sort of the um, normal Buck Rogers intro, absolutely fantastic, and, and then you found the um, theatrical intro,
2: yeah, also I, fantastic. I, I liked the uh, TV intro much better, like the the, yeah. the sort of concentric circles. I, I, I don't know, but yeah, Aaron Gray, awesome. But I prefer um, angry Aaron Gray to. Um, trying to be sexier and gray it just feels uh it's just it's, so weirdly like studio
0: that. 54 softcore or something
2: <laughs> yeah it it was very strange there's there's a lot of anything that tried to be kind of uh sexy about this was just kind of weird but that it, that made it yeah. fun though yeah, i thought it, it, it feels a little misplayed. i mean those opening
3: credits like don't get me wrong the theatrical version i, I think it's so perfect for its time and it's so perfect that we have that as an alternate right yeah. now that said what we got on TV way better just way more stylish way more fun and that is one of those um, opening credit sequences for a show that I never ever skip no matter what and there's only a handful of shows that i never skip the uh, the opening credits for that's one I think Space 1999 is the other oh, um, no. yeah yeah, but um so many others i just like yeah, i don't care if there's a skip intro button i'm hitting that thing um and in the first season we get william conrad doing the opening narration you know the year is 1987 and NASA, it, and that to me is like the definitive i heard that and as soon as you go to season 2 and it's a different voice i'm like no 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 I, i'm
0: out it, this it feels wrong you know yeah, I've never actually gotten to my season two DVDs, though I do have them. <laughs> um, the one thing yeah. with the theatrical I want to throw out, though, is is that what Buck was doing for 500 years in his <laughs> dream space?
3: <laughs> hey, I, I, I can't say I wouldn't be there. You know, 500 years is a long time. Yeah, the the mind tends to wander.
0: I'm a, I'm a little embarrassed here. We'll get to the actors, but um, I guess yeah, I've always read it. So I've never known if it's a nice down south Jill Gerard or a softer Jill Gerard. Gil. Was Gil? Gil? Yeah. Okay. Gil Gerard. Okay. We can yeah. do it like we do it down Gil. south. Yeah. Gil Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah. I, I, well, I've been um, sometimes, what was it? Russian roulette. Oh. I've been called out for saying, softening my vowels. Roulette? The, it's roulette. It's wild. Yeah, it but I, I, I missed, uh, It is roulette.
2: <laughs> but I, I, I love that Gil Gerard is immediately out of the gate on, on drugs. He's just his first immediate is just like what he's basically completely out of it for the first twenty-five minutes, which is yeah, really Maybe fun. My favorite book, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and you know it, I think that was a pretty smart thing is just
3: to immediately set that tone. Um, you, you know, you, you just immediately you're laughing with him you get it you're along for this fun ride instead of it taking itself so super seriously um i mean it's a pretty uh, theatrically it's a pretty arresting thing to see this guy frozen and all the lights out and all uh, that's a pretty disturbing idea but then just to sort of like take the air out of it lighten it up have him being goofy I, that's one of those things that immediately gets me behind this version of buck you know the the you just know right away. Okay, we're we're not going to take this super seriously. Let's
0: well, Flash Gordon, and and we get to make the Buster Crab comparison with both, right? Yeah. You know, serial Flash Gordon is very charming. Where a movie, I I do love the movie Flash Gordon, but we basically yeah. just put a piece of cardboard up as Flash there. Where, right. Where, um, Gill right. Gil pretty much stands up perfectly well to uh, Buster. You know, he he doesn't yeah. have his companion like he does in the serial. But yeah, when I when I was a toddler, this. Gil here was, this was like my, my standard for being a man when I was two years old, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and, and probably well, and, Aaron Gray for the women.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, but this is this perfect, you know, like late 70s in the commentary on the Blu-ray, they were talking about how like Burt Reynolds was sort of the, the model that the writers and producers were thinking of. Here you have this, you know, this manly man. He takes off the shirt. He's got the hairy chest. You know, he's, he's built. Gil Gerard used to be a football player, from what I understand. And um, it, but he just exudes charm, and the way that like a Burt Reynolds does in Cannonball Run or in Smokey and the Bandit. It's the same kind of ride. It's like you're pulling for the guy. He's funny. He's charming. But he's sexy. And you, you get the chemistry on screen. So it, it sort of surprised me that Gil Gerard didn't become a bigger star than he did. And unfortunately, I think he was hobbled by the, the failures of Buck Rogers uh, in certainly in some of the episodes of season one, but definitely in the failures of season two. Um, and I know that he's been very outspoken about that, um, that, that he he was at loggerheads with the producers trying to steer the show in better directions and it just didn't work out. But that, that casting is ideal. And, um, you know, they thought they were going to lose Erin Gray right at the beginning. She had done the pilot and then she didn't want to come back for the series. So there was an actress that they hired hired as like, the person who would potentially become that Wilma Deering type uh, character. So, um, yeah, but I, I thank goodness they ended up with uh, with who they did.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking what what else Gil has done. I know he's he did. What was it? Star Trek Continues that he showed up in, or was it the New Voyages?
3: I think he did New Voyages, and then Aaron did um, Aaron did uh, uh, Continues Jesus, Silver Spoons. And she
2: was in Silver Spoons. Heck yeah! So I knew her yeah. from. Yeah, looks yeah. like Gil Gerard was in Airport Seventy Seven. Oh, before. Oh yeah. So, uh, oh right. He was in yeah. Transformers: Robots in Disguise. Too bad Luke isn't here for that one.
0: That's not the movie, is it? That's the TV uh, show.
2: Yeah, it's one of the three hundred Transformers TV series. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Of course, um, I would. I would argue the biggest star here is. Does anyone want to finish that sentence?
2: Mel Blanc. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while to figure that out. It it took me probably half of the the runtime to be like, wait, what?
0: <laughs> wait, that is that's Mel Blanc. It can't be anybody else. Well, Tweaky doesn't really. I mean, at, at first it's um, it, it's not Douglas Rain. It's a it's sort of a Hal Nine Thousand um you know interpreter during uh impressionist doing dr theopolis and tweaky just it's not till much later
2: (laughs) that that was weird (laughs) that was tweaky is the one reference from this show that i've seen elsewhere and it was like oh i get it that was the one thing that that i'd already seen and is the weirdest thing i just it is to me so unusual to have this uh sort of slapstick robot that mostly is just making a, a processing sound, I guess, but also carrying around the, the smartest, the smartest AI. It was so weird. It was almost like Quato. It was such a, such a bizarre thing, but it was also really cool. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's cool to see people doing weird. It's weirder than any of the robot choices in like Star Wars.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I was go, I was talking yeah, to Luke yeah. a, a few days ago just to throw in a few of his views. I was like, yeah, I don't see how when I was a kid, that wasn't like super confusing It's like, no, no. when you're a kid, that's when it's not confusing. That's when it's <laughs> that. well, well,
2: the, from the trivia I read. Apparently, the reason he speaks English is because he learns the reason he sort of talks like in Mel Blancisms is apparently he learns 20th century slang from Buck Rogers. So he's just sort of parroting it which is also weird <laughs> with yeah um i don't know that I, I was that was really strange i was almost like is this problematic i'm not even really sure
0: and and sorry to just shout out um we're just assuming people know mel blank but that's every looney tune and if if the, mm-hmm. if the name is not uh firing that's, a synapse in yeah. the listener's he, brain he was duck dodgers that's that's how you know <laughs> right Oh, you got the lead role there. That's right. Um, of course, this theatrical or two-part pilot has some some very special guest stars. Um, I guess we'll start with uh, it's Freddie Silva because this is his only time as Kane, I believe. Oh, weird. He he, uh, would,
2: he gave a weird performance, I thought.
3: Hen- Henry Silva.
2: Yeah, he he comes back. Uh, I I, I want to
3: say that there is one. Uh, the return of Ardala at the end of season one. I thought he was back for that one. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, he's uh, I, I really like Henry Silva as an actor. I, I think he was um, I don't think he was used to his best abilities here.
0: Kane, uh, yeah, Kane he was the bad guy in the serial. Like uh, Kane was the mustache twirler in the in the yeah. 30s version. He's so he's kind of sidelined here. Yeah. Um, and of course he's being uh sidelined by uh, Pamela Hensley, which is is also notable. <laughs> Who fantastic yeah is She's good fantastic. to watch. Here. <laughs> that that was I, I have to say, like
3: so when I was a kid watching Buck Rogers the first time around, um, because Erin Gray is the co-star of the show, like all eyes are on her. And and she and Buck are this great team and you know, there's a lot of focus, and rightfully so. She is charming. She is like girl next door, but cooler and sexier, but approachable. Like she has all the qualities that you want in this character, right? And I didn't think much of Ardala other than just, okay, she's the bad guy that we see once, <laughs> you know, and then again late at the the end of the season. Um, rewatching the movie. Uh, and and really paying attention to it. Pamela Hensley owns every scene she is in. I mean, I, that is such power coming from that actress and such uh, such presence. Um, I, I just, I, I so admire actors who can do that, who, who can just take what is, you know, kind of a flimsy role. It's like, okay, you're... Yeah, you're you're attractive. You're the 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 princess. You're the bad guy, but really, you know, 90% of these scenes are about Buck for somebody to just come in and just sort of like be completely unfiltered. Throw it all at the screen literally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but but that that takes that takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of uh, energy and presence as an actor and she brings it absolutely
2: yeah just the confidence no matter what yeah. the outfit is yeah amazing yeah or no outfit. yeah <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah any, any number yeah. the Which yeah, is surprising in a yeah sci-fi
0: <laughs> yeah. mostly geared towards kids
3: <laughs> she yeah. was just
2: about to have tiger man executed just for like being thrown yeah. in her bed while he was unconscious yeah 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 she's hard for her. yeah yeah T- tiger man <laughs> Pretty awesome. Um,
1: What up, YouTube? It's your boy, Luke. Um, So I definitely watched Buck Rogers on the TV when I was a kid. And I remembered the spaceships were cool, it was fun, the robot was funny. What I didn't remember is how incredibly horny this TV show is. Um, Like, Buck Rogers is a total James Bond figure, you know? His name is Buck and he's here to fuck. Um, Which kind of helped carry the show. Uh, I was really actually enjoying watching it because Buck himself was so charming, and he was just swanning around. You know, he's about to get with the princess. He's about to get with the lieutenant. It's exciting stuff.
0: Of course, one of the the biggest draws of this is the design, which I. Do I'm going to come down on the table that I do prefer this design to the uh, Battlestar design. I, I guess I like the primary colors. I noticed they have the mm-hmm. uh, complete opposite of like the Nazi armband with like the rainbow armband. band. <laughs> a rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everyone loves that. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, I, uh, the,
3: those are good details too that show up really nicely in the Blu-ray there because uh, they, they make a lot of good use out of like um, just form plastic. You know, they, they just create these patterns uh, out of vacuum-formed plastic tiles, throw them all up in a in an empty soundstage, throw some light on them. Very inexpensive way to make a set, but they really use that to their advantage. And you, you go in and look at it on Blu-ray and just like, wow, the details are awesome. They're lit well. Uh, the paint scheme is, it, it's fun. Um, it, it just... It looks great, but it also has this very like, um, this very sort of theatrical feel. And I don't mean theatrical like big budget movie. I mean theatrical like you're watching a stage play almost. So they they make good use out of empty space. They make good use out of um, like one of my favorite things is always spotting that uh, two dimensional cutout of the star Cruiser that always pops up when you want to show more than one in the hangar, they had that full size prop that the actors are near, but you look in the back and there's always just a 2d cutout painted, which when you were watching this on a, you know, 19 inch TV in 1979, you would have never noticed that that was a little, just a cutout, but on Blu-ray it shows you can tell. And I love it even more. You know, I just, I, I love it that that's the kind of, um, production shortcut that still adds depth and interest to these sets
2: yeah it really reminds me of like the first time i saw the wizard of oz in a theater was that my Mm. my infatuation with it just changed from i love being in this world to oh someone got to make this and play in it and it's just so fun to uh i don't know that's 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 the feeling i had watching this yesterday was that it was like somebody had a lot of fun making this the explosions you know, the just fire occasionally. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah, great yeah I often say on this podcast, you know, the, the special effects that really get me usually have heart. I mean, you can have the mm-hmm. like the DC movies. I, I do actually like a fair them. Oh I got Shazam hanging out right here. But, uh, you know, <laughs> the climax is often like fighting the big CGI brown-gray blob where yeah. one of my favorite effects movies ever is the 1960 Time Machine where technically the effects oh. are oh. terrible yeah, that, but they're great. That Wonderful. Sequence, Wonderful. Oh, that, that that time yeah. travel sequence is still like for me top 10 of yeah. anything. That's Like yeah. the Destruction of London, technically it's not good effects but just has heart in it and I like it. Mm-hmm. Well they put so
2: much work like it feels like they put just a, a year of work into it. Okay? Yeah,
0: I know that's probably not the case but yeah. I, I would say this is prime time for the matte paintings, even when I had basically uh-huh. like Buck Rogers had somehow gotten out of my mind. Those images of the uh, it's not the Forbidden City is no, that was the, the
2: mutant city. zone or something that that, that whole New thing Chicago. was. Really that was cool. cool. No, New I'm Chicago. thinking of
0: the, uh, the New New Chicago. Yeah, uh, I don't remember what it was called in the serial. But uh, yeah, that those images just always, I mean, stick in my mind. I, that's maybe one of the first things I think of when someone says the word sci-fi. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I was kind of bummed when I read apparently that just doesn't that goes away
2: in the series. So that's the only time you see it.
0: Yeah, they're on a spaceship in the second season. That's that's part of the yeah. disappointment. Oh.
3: The uh, the matte paintings for Buck Rogers. I know that a good number of them were done by Dan Curry, who did a lot of uh, work on Star Trek. I mean, that that's what he's best known for. Uh, but for the pilot, Sid Dutton, who studied under Albert Whitlock. You know, and, and you're talking about uh, the person who's done some of the most famous matte paintings in cinema history. And, um, I, you know, you look at any of Hitchcock's films, th- those were Whitlock paintings. And that, that DNA is definitely in the work here that Sid
0: Dutton did for the pilot, you know, for the movie. It definitely sticks out mm. as well. Um, yeah, yeah. One other I want to go for is uh, design design. Uh, not design sound design, excuse me, because uh, yeah, this movie kept making me want to go run off and play with my mini Moog. Some
2: it was really cool seeing something that was almost like a, a Star Wars like X-wing battle, but it had like jazz.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I know getting into the series, probably for the same reason, uh, my favorite episode of the actual series is the uh, Space Rockers one. which just Oh, happens. hell yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I I dropped dropped space Rockers, is. like, there's Abandoned Space? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I enough. haven't seen this. So and they just me, keep yeah. playing the same, like, jazz fusion thing. But it's real funky. It's real good. <laughs> well, awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to at least
2: binge the first season, and then I'll look you at it. You can
0: quit after that, most likely. I'll just look
2: at it.
3: Well, and the uh, uh, Space Rockers, so the music for that is uh, Johnny Harris, who he he did some of the other incidental music for Buck Rogers as well. But um, he's, you know, he was well known as an electronic artist and a a soundtrack uh, composer and artist for a lot of movies and TV shows. Just read the other day that he won Eurovision in 1969 with Lulu. So he's got uh, quite the pedigree um but yeah space rockers just it, it's such like it's one of those things where it's such a goofy concept but then I, you just sort of go with it because the show decides to go
0: with it and and how could you not and Mark and and our dear listeners, you, you'll find great things like the Space Olympics, Gary Coleman, as you get into that first season. Sure. What? <laughs> <Once>. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we, we mentioned <laughs> the guest stars, I, I was like, oh, we got to mention yeah. Gary Coleman. Uh, well, yeah.
3: And uh, Miss, Miss uh, Galaxy played by the late Dorothy Stratton. And uh, you've got, let's see, Jamie Lee Curtis in there, uh, Frank Gorshin. I mean, the, the, the guest stars, the hits just
2: keep coming.
0: So. What years Halloween?
2: Is that a pre Halloween,
0: Jamie Lee Curtis?
2: Yeah, oh. I think that was 79. Uh, I don't think that was pre Halloween.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find <So>. out. <laughs> um do you guys have any is there any special, you know, bit of the design that really does just stick in your head for this one? Uh like like I said for me, those matte oh. paintings are just like burned into my subconscious. So <laughs> everything <laughs> draconian. <laughs> it's basically baseball. like Space Italy or something. Spaceball 1. <laughs>
1: yeah, it is Spaceball 1.
2: It's Spaceball 1, but the inside of it is basically like a
0: a a red like Danger diabolic Pleasure Palace. Mm, yeah. There you go. Actually just you know, we just finished up the most recent discovery and i was kind of like the Draconian ship in the uh, Mirror Universe discovery seemed to have a Fair amount of things in common, uh, Mark. I don't know if you've been on that. I'm or not, behind.
2: But... I need to, I need to watch all of the new track and I'm behind. Okay. Please don't
0: please don't add me, listeners. I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> there's too much. There's too it's much funny. TV. Yes. Uh, Halloween's yes. 1978.
0: Oh, okay, so what, Oh, really? Like, oh, so first, she had just done it. Wow! Wow. Hmm.
2: it might have been her first movie. I'm not sure.
0: Well, that's what I, I kind of assumed. Right. I knew that was her breakout. Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh. John, you got one piece of design that you particularly want to uh, point out? Um,
3: it, you know, all of it, it is so good. And and what I love is you can kind of point to the store-bought things as well. So it, it's a different kind of production. Like this is all Universal Studios. Not only is it all Universal Studios, but it's coming out of this sort of um, factory of production. Uh, you go back to shows like uh, Six Million Dollar Man, Bionic Woman, then Galactica, and Universal is just cranking these things out. They're using the stuff that's in their warehouse, and they're using a lot of uh, you know ways to cut corners. So what I love is you look at a you look at a, a room or a scene and go like, oh okay, that was a lamp. That clearly they just you know bought at a store <laughs> and threw in here. Uh, there's a computer console we've seen in five other Universal Studios shows. Um, but what I love is what I pointed out before actually, which is the um, when they'll take a pattern and they'll do like a fiberglass or vacuum form uh, a tile and just build a room out of that. It's so dead simple. And yet it kind of says everything you need to in the scene. There are some good shots of Buck kind of on his own when the Earth Directorate doesn't know what to make of him. They don't know if he's a spy. They they don't, you know, they don't buy his story yet. And the isolation that he has is magnified by these like just sterile white rooms, concrete floor. It's simple and it totally sells the the point of the scene you know? So I, I love to think of uh, this, you know, the movie and the series is really making the most out of out of their creativity when you don't have the luxury of like uh, what Star Trek, uh, the later tracks like Next Gen and beyond, what they had, which is, oh, okay, well, we've got this considerably higher budget because we have this syndication model or now we have the streaming model where we have these huge budgets we can afford to manufacture literally anything we want and and create these worlds from the ground up you don't have that in buck rogers um but they're they're making the most out of what they do have
2: yeah i do feel like a lot of those really sparse like white sets or something that you just no one even tries to make anymore. So, I and mean, some people might see it as dated, but I think it just looks alien, which is important because it is five hundred years in the future. So, you know, I I do think some kind of like at least a little bit of just discomfort. Makes mm-hmm. it just Color gel on those
0: walls, and you got yeah. To- yeah, yeah, right, right. So- I realized uh, I'm gonna kick myself if I I don't say psychedelic space tube before we get out of design. <laughs> you. I want to live in the psychedelic space tube at, Love at that at that velocity. I, I I don't. I think Battle Stars were more white. They weren't so color uh, colorful, if I remember. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's funny that, it, you know, with Galactica, it, there's so much from Buck
3: Rogers that they borrowed from Galactica, sound effects and, and visual effects, and then the, just that whole idea, just that sort of design language. Okay, we have a tube, it's going to light, we'll play the sound effect, and that, that then imparts that you're being shot out of this uh, launch. I mean, that was something that to me was very definitively Galactica because we had not seen anything like that on TV until that came along. For them to just turn around and reuse that same idea for Buck Rogers the very next year, a little bit weird, but also kind of perfect because it's an effect that I love.
1: the effect and all of that jazz, they looked really legit. Um, Now, I only watched the pilot so far from the box set Matt lent me, um, which I'm guessing had a pretty tasty budget. But when I finished it, I was like, oh, that looked okay for the 80s. And then it said 1979. And I was like, damn, maybe, you know, some of the actual TV episodes haven't aged as well. But I guess it just felt like Star Wars came out showed everyone how to do these effects and then whoever had you know the buck rogers license was just like okay well we're just going to throw some dollars at this and then we can have our own Star Wars
0: um we brought it up a little bit when we started but you know, this is that weird period of time when it's like it's a utopia. We watched the Logan's Run um documentary, like this is a utopian, and now we're all like, no, that's a, that's a dystopia.
2: No, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's
0: that's that's how it always is.
2: The the utopia, it, the dystopia is successful in making everyone believe it's a utopia. All right, I think we've seen that.
0: But yeah, smaller. like as a kid, it's like, oh, it's the fantastic future, right? And now I'm watching, like this, yeah, this isn't. A particularly wonderful place to live is it
2: but it's a great political statement you know because it's um like starship troopers which you recently went over is like it's a it's almost a perfect implementation of that because everyone is smiling and not blinking and not flinching and it's horrifying at the same time because that's how that's how societies work you you generally don't have people that are running around just going no this is terrible
0: yeah but i mean it, it's hard for us uh, even in the 21st century not to be completely down with buck wanting to turn off his guidance computer and just take a role but in 50 years those huh. of us that are like yeah i love to like get into a car and uh, get the stick shift going that's gonna be pretty weird and archaic like before too long most likely right. well I, f- I felt like the um i didn't
2: feel like that was a utopia and it felt like a little refreshing that it was like maybe a lowercase u utopia, mm. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I go with that um, lowercase u. <laughs> yeah, I, it didn't feel like the people in charge were under the impression that they lived in a perfect society. And I think that is kind of a lot of sci-fi that it's set in the future is maybe a little bit technophobic. You have people immediately showing up screaming at you that you live in a perfect society. And if you if you mess with it, you're going down. And it felt maybe a little bit more humble
0: dancing is that, that may evolved. change
2: yeah
3: <laughs> I, I feel like that became one of the themes though throughout the series is that um the people in new chicago are aware still that they've got a long way to go like they have incredible technologies but they live on this planet earth that that's still feeling the effects of world war Three obviously lost just tons of people and, you know, can't use a good portion of the land. Uh, So they're still fighting that. Um, So it's a little bit of, uh, it's not quite like Star Trek where there's a sort of love-hate relationship with technology. I mean, Buck Rogers, they embrace the technology, but then it's like they're, it's almost like they're glad whenever Buck shows them, like, well, here's how we did it in the 20th century. And it's, you know, they, they're at least a little more open to the idea of uh, of what he brings to the table. And, yeah, a lot of that was very on the nose. But, again, that's just sort of the type of show we're dealing with.
0: Yeah, I just I can't help thinking of you know brave new world uh give give the people in new chicago some soma and we're there which then you know makes me think like maybe they got the soma but uh then i'm thinking do we have like the savage living in uh new and old chicago you know quoting shakespeare and stuff there there could be i I don't know i don't think the show really got into uh that particular facet of what was actually going on with the uh mutants and so forth
2: i mean it doesn't take a whole lot to think about when you're watching the jetsons who's on the ground
0: like I yeah. I
2: definitely thought about that a little bit. Who's on the ground? What's on the ground? Never it's so bad that they won't even show you. It's just, right. You know. It it's almost yeah. it's all honestly more it's nicer to see just savages running around with with sticks than to just not know because not knowing is like, oh, is it just
1: a jail?
0: Yeah. I don't know. That's what, right. that's what I like about, uh, you know, Buck's insistence on exploring old Chicago, because to the viewer, it's yeah. like, no, that's that's insane. And it, it just seems like a TV trope, like, oh, he's just like being contrary to move the plot forward. But then you're like, well, you know, if, if that was me and I was going through my old city like that, I'd probably be pretty obstinate about it as well. I, I um, as Matt, you probably saw in my notes. I basically thought
2: he should have taken the draconian leadership as soon as it was offered to him <laughs> that's what and Flash if he was, was really if he was really an 80s guy he probably would have yes yeah. you know just they didn't know what the 80s were yet but yeah yeah and that's sort of like the
3: the ghostbusters rule like if anybody asks if you are a god you say yes like yeah, for exactly. Bach like if they're gonna give you this title you just say yes just take Fake it care. till you make it yeah
0: I mean it is me, an
3: enticing offer it is it is but I mean, that, that is one of the biggest missed opportunities, and there are many, but uh, one of the biggest missed opportunities of Buck Rogers as a series, the way it was done here, is that you don't get a really clear picture of what's happening on the outside. We, we kind of leave it. We, we have Buck's experience in old Chicago, um, and that's a good sequence, um, but we don't have a whole lot of that. Uh, in fact, I don't think we really have any of it after the fact, uh, when we get later into the series. And we don't really spend any time uh, with maybe one or two exceptions, uh, figuring out Buck's state of mind after losing everything in his entire world that is now 500 years dead. You know, there there was one episode that I'll call out, uh, called A Dream of Jennifer, and uh, they, they really start to get into that, where he sees somebody who reminds him of his old girlfriend, um, but it, it's you know revealed to be basically like a plant. He's being manipulated by somebody else. Um, but you actually start to get into this, like, whoa, what, what are the repercussions of somebody having to find his way in this completely foreign environment, even though the people around him are basically good and looking out for his best interests? Um th- th- there's still uh this, you know, emotional price to pay for everything that's happened.
0: Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say that one of the big differences between the 30 serial and this is he has his sidekick in the he's got buddy in the 30s right. serial who is yeah. from his time and he's got like that one little connection. The, yeah. I guess that role is basically you know the tweaky Dr. Theopolis combination in this one, but that is something that's not from his time, so he's more disconnected here and um like if the older serial had like started making episodes, they, they couldn't do the dream of Jennifer because of that. And, and yeah. that's definitely one of the ones that, you know, sticks out in my mind as well as being one of the series one standouts, at least. So, yeah. um, is it, is it good for him to have that sidekick or, or do we, do we gain from uh, total isolation? I think, uh, having a sidekick that is a tiny
2: robot <laughs> that's carrying a brilliant AI scientist, <laughs> it's pretty, it's, it's like having a smartphone. I don't know. It's not that it's he's not that <laughs> it's like Alexa. I, I guarantee an you Android. when they reboot it, whatever they reboot it, it's going to be like he has an Alexa. And it's just going to be he's carrying a puck around. Right. But,
0: I'm sure but. I hope he has one of those clear iPhones. I, I, I watched the save by the Bell reboot because I'm weird. And of course, they got to give Zach Morris the, the future phone. Right. I in high school. Uh, so wait, now he's got wait, his... wait. So wait, the save by the Bell reboot is set in the future no it's set now now. but zach morris always has a future phone he had a phone in the early 90s right okay the new one he has this weird totally clear phone it's pretty trippy it's like the one sci-fi element of that show probably (laughs) (laughs) well this self-awareness is good
2: yeah
1: Obviously, when I'm watching it, I naturally compare it to Flash Gordon. Um, Flash Gordon's more wacky. This one feels like it took the story of Buck Rogers, but made it look actually good and realistic for, you know, the time. Um, and though Flash Gordon was full of camp, and it had people walking around in, like, pretty skimpy outfits, Flash himself always came across pretty chaste, you know? Like, he was into that, um that one girl but it wasn't like he was a total dog. whereas like I said Buck is a bit of a James Bond figure so this show is a lot sexier than Flash Gordon and definitely sexier than I remember it being when I watched it on TV as a kid. I'd also forgotten that the apocalypse angle was a thing in Black- Buck Rogers. I remember Buck like freezing waking up in the future flying spaceships I didn't remember that in that time the world had ended, but that is like the original Buck Rogers novel and newspaper strip and now this version. Um, And when he gets out there, like outside the city, that's some real classic like 70s, 80s Cold War apocalypse stuff. You know, they didn't flinch from that, so that's pretty cool. The rest of the cast, obviously the robots are fun, I like them. Um, The princess was, you know, she was at first, he's just, you know, typical sexy villain. I do like her angle that she she wants to overthrow her father and she thinks Buck's the guy to help her do it. So I'm sure that there's a lot of back and forth throughout the rest of the series. Kane was, you know, typical middle management supervillain, but he did have a certain menace to him and he looks like Uri Geller. When we finally did see the emperor of whatever he is, he was like really cartoonish in a way that none of the rest of this show was. Lieutenant Deering was okay, um, I didn't really feel there was actually any chemistry between her and Buck, whereas there was a lot of chemistry between Buck and the princess, so I hope that actually does feel more like a real relationship as the show goes on. Overall, I actually really enjoyed Buck Rogers in the 25th century, um had some nostalgia for it, but I couldn't really remember anything. I just remember, oh, that is a thing I watched and I liked. But going back to it now, like, yeah, I really dig it. Um, like I said, Matt has lent me the whole box set, and I might go ahead and finish watching that.
0: Well, it is... Well, now it's 2021, uh, for better or for worse. I've heard predictions that 2021 and 2022 will all be the same year. I don't know what that means, but... What? from the from the weirdos and psychics uh okay sorry it's just a bizarre statement anyway Uh, i I was like you know (laughs) i mean
2: you know it could be completely true i don't know years might be outlawed by next month who knows (laughs) it might be twice as long we we don't even know
0: that's what they did in what the 18th century in england where they're like okay we're moving a few years
2: over we're going to metric time every every month is 10 every month is 100 days and they're 10 months the french revolution did try that and it really didn't take (laughs) of this plan let's try it again oh yeah Yeah. uh
0: anyway i was trying to see how this how this one holds up in 2021 um again it's hard for me to say like i said this is in my sci-fi dna this this i think it was my boarding point for sci-fi so it's hard to disparage it at all i watch it i'm like this is great but uh The, uh, yeah. the weird
2: thing for me is this is the one thing that held up absolutely almost incredibly well is the dance scene where they're all like <laughs> dancing. Like got, that like music so dancing sounded like, It sounded like yeah. now and I don't know if his little like play some rock and roll and it was like weird like sort of groovy dance music and he sort of looked like an idiot. At, I yeah. assume that was completely supposed to be funny because that was completely funny yeah I don't, I don't know it worked for me i was like i, ha- I had to rewind it like <laughs> i i can't believe this works so well I, I think that's a scene where i just had to go go get the mini mug out too <laughs> yeah I, I don't blame you it's i mean it sounded like at one point it sounded like music from 1986 which is like you know that's seven, seven years of, um, yeah yeah pretty pretty good about that yeah good. um
3: Man, that's such a hard question because I, I, I'm i like you. I mean, I, I look at this and I just go, I, this is my childhood. And I loved it then for, for, you know, what I think are good reasons. Like it's fun. It's light. The cast has good energy. Um, it is designed and produced very well for its time, but its time was 40 years ago. So um, how do you you know how do you get somebody who is coming at this new to appreciate and understand that you know it, it it's like if somebody in the 70s for the first time after they've seen Star Wars is told go watch Metropolis now Metropolis is a great movie but if you're just saying here now go watch this and and you're a kid who has just seen Star Wars you're like I I don't I don't get it it all looks fake it all looks weird why why are they <laughs> why do their costumes look like that what's to do with the giant clock i don't understand you know so it it would be very hard for me to sort of sell this show to somebody who isn't already in a mindset of saying i love vintage tv i love you know products of the late 70s i you know that they're already sort of predisposed to enjoy it um but you know that said like you can take my Buck Rogers Blu rays out of my cold, dead hands.
0: (laughs) You know, I I was thinking...
2: go ahead, Mark. Oh, sorry. Speaking personally, you know, I went into it without much interest in watching it, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, and it, yeah, I I also went in with, like, I am going to take this historical perspective with it. So, I can't Mm -hmm. really tell you, can't tell you how I would feel if someone just out of nowhere just. Maybe if I'd never, maybe if I was a little younger. See, now I'm just going with too many hypotheticals. I think it holds right. up, I think it holds up very well for anyone who is old enough to remember this era at all. Yeah.
0: And John, just to go a bit back in your mm-hmm. wheelhouse, and and sorry, Mark, you haven't been keeping up with the track though. Um, the timing's mm-hmm. interesting. I, I, you know, Discovery season three just ended. I'll say I was basically yeah. whelmed so by much. it. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, there's a lot of beats similar to the Buck Rogers plotline getting thrust 800 years in the future. You got the Federation, you know, right. like in this weird bubble, which is kind of like your New Chicago. Right. You don't have Draconians, you have Orions. And right. they even use the same tactic to get into the, uh, into the Federation <laughs> headquarters. That's that true. They do with Buck yes. to get into New Chicago. So in yeah. some ways I was, you know, just finishing it up. And I was like, this actually does kind of, you know that the accents are very different you don't yeah you, they, they get to the sense of isolation not just buckets this crew but i was like yeah maybe yeah. that is sort of how this plays in the modern day right <laughs> That's, you know, you're not wrong yeah
2: there's the whole thing about uh, stories repeating themselves and i don't know we're still we're even now talking about a story that was Already sort of 40 years old. I don't know how much this resembled the original Buck Rogers, but you know, these things resonate. I'm yeah, just I would trying say to sound Flash... like I know what I'm talking about yeah. when you're talking about a show I haven't seen, yet. right? No, <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I think Flash Gordon probably stuck a little more to its serial roots and then yeah. distracting you, yeah. you with all that, yeah. queen of course. Where, yeah, we're Dino Buck... De Laurentiis, right? I mean, yeah. it was just,
2: yeah, anything Dino De Laurentiis made is sort of like. At the it's anachronistic but at the same time it hits so hard that you just you just love it anyway
0: I yeah know. i just i just finished reading dune actually for the first time and and now i have oh. i have the the movie queued up for some De laurentus and you know That's david lynch nice. changing his name to uh oh, what what, what yeah. is the director's name when you don't want to be part of, alan smithy, I alan think smithy. Be, yeah
2: i saw um i saw that for the first time last year and i thoroughly enjoyed it the editing was a complete total hack job but it was really fun to watch <laughs>
0: well uh, the Baron thing is and is having so much fun in that film. <laughs> but yeah the thing is i mean um it, it no matter what you think of dune by making that movie they gave him the, the money to make blue velvet so <laughs> yeah there oh yeah go. absolutely yeah win, that, that's a win if nothing I,
2: else yeah and it's a weird movie that probably just wouldn't exist otherwise so it's i think it i think it has the right to exist
0: yeah sure. on this on yeah. this podcast we talked about there'd be a lot of trouble um remaking flash gordon now i think i've been, i've been saw a news article a few days ago where someone on streaming was like putting a disclaimer because of ming the merciless being like potentially mm. offensive so there's there's oh a lot of hurdles God. there um oh, buck yeah. rogers buck rogers seems like you could probably get away with making you know rebooting this one without too much trouble
2: i think uh, i would physical... yeah oh no go I'm ahead go, you go ahead
3: I, I, I would honestly hope so. I mean, I, I think that this is a story that is really ripe for a reboot. But that said, I, I don't want to see the, I don't want to see the fun taken out of it too. like? Uh, all the things that I think are missing from the 1979 version of Bach, which is to have, you know, a little more grounded uh, uh realism with the character, a little more exploration of what honestly is going on with his acclamation to this new world. Um, I, I think that's all interesting, valuable stuff to explore if somebody were to take this on and and write a new version of it. Um, but at the same time, like I don't need the dark, gritty reboot of Buck Rogers. Like, I, I don't need it to be I don't need it to be super serious about itself. I don't need uh, to have another, like, franchise universe built out of it. Uh, you know, that that's sort of the fun thing was watching this movie and then watching a little bit of the series again before doing this tonight. Um, I, I just, like, I feel so unburdened by this show. Like, there's not... I, you know, I, I don't hear the voices of 50,000 fanboys telling me what's canon and what's not. And, uh, it, you know, uh, this is a plot hole and that's play. it doesn't matter. It's full of plot holes and it's great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like, let this be fun. That's how I want to think about Buck, And that's how I would want to think of it in uh, a revived version as well. You know, I I was doing, um, uh, I was doing a, a series of James Bond podcasts and we also did the man from uncle when that came out in 2015. And I was a big fan of the original TV show. And I was saying like, you have to remember that in 1964. So we already had Dr. No from Russia with love and Goldfinger by the time uncle hit TV. And as that show got sillier, a lot of people started to think, oh, well, Uncle is the parody version of James Bond. And like, no, no, that, that that's not exactly the right framing. It is a lighter alternative to James Bond. And that's what I would like to see out of a new Buck Rogers. Like make it the lighter alternative to the incredibly heavy, <laughs> incredibly sort of... Uh, uh, you know shows and franchises that are uh, almost dragged down by the weight of their their canons, their histories, their their expectations. Um, I I don't need that out of every bit of pop culture that I consume. So I'd like to see somebody be able to take it and run with it in that direction.
2: I mean, this will probably sound cynical, but as long as studio types still think there's money in Guardians of the Galaxy ripoffs then they i could absolutely see them just applying that formula It'd yeah work perfectly
0: yeah and we're gonna see movies and tv yeah. i think produced very differently in the next few years so you know the landscape's sure. gonna change yeah. and who who knows maybe the super dark show in a few years will seem like weird anachronism and be the perfect time for that sort of uh revisiting but i, I guess um, the thing is, it's 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 a it's a nice joseph campbell tale it uh you know mm-hmm. tends to hold up wherever you put it so <laughs> yeah
2: it's the hero's journey or uh any anyway it does say in wikipedia that on december 10th of 2020 um, a tv series is in development with brian k vaughn writing so take that however you will
3: i i feel like there have been a lot of attempted reboots and announcements and uh, you know for a decade or more, and yeah, and, and I, I hope one happens. Look, I would love to see a reboot of uh, Logan's Run. I have in my yeah. head the way that should go, but uh, nobody's asked me. That's been <laughs> no. Indiv-
2: I, I've um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. When I found out the difference between the book and the movie, I haven't read the book yet, but I was yeah. like, oh no, oh, make I that, <laughs> make that immediately. Yeah, yeah. Like the this. the books are wild. Yeah, they can they can do that. I mean, I love the original mm-hmm. movie, but uh, that could definitely sit beside it since the second half would be completely different
0: yeah um i think we're wrapping up for too long but i, do, I just needed to yell out buck foo if nothing else <laughs> <laughs> um well, second. Listen, he said when he yes. killed tiger
2: man he was like bottoms up yeah Something yeah just like just
0: it's like you know we got star trek we got kirk foo here and and uh, gil has his own particular style and and you get to mm. say buck foo which is better so
2: yeah <laughs> yeah that was that was super fun yes I, I um, I think I heard Tiger man comes back for the rest of the series even though he died in the movie or something
3: yeah they they do resurrect him yeah
0: yeah he was cool yeah. um that, that was my shout out does anyone have any uh, other major points they want to throw out on buck on this particular movie I, I think he hit the
3: major points you know I mean it, it's just uh, I it, it's fun from beginning to end it, it was cool to kind of watch the feature again in comparison to the, uh, the way it aired on TV. Um, I got to say the Kino Blu-rays are great. Uh, they, they look fantastic. I think the features are a little lacking. There are some commentaries. I don't think they're at least not all of them are totally worthwhile, um, but overall it's really solid. So uh, if anybody has just been watching this on you know, old DVDs are on streaming. Um, I, the the Blu-rays are a worthy upgrade, so yeah well, that, that is us
0: in this case but <laughs> yeah right yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah i i, I, had, I had at least had a look uh, you know i live in japan so sometimes it's a little hard to come by those but uh... <laughs> sure yeah i
2: mean i can't yeah. do you know my blu-ray player broke last month and trying to buy a blu-ray player is basically impossible now I don't oh even, wow I, imagine. I went to walmart and they're in the corner and there are three of them and they're covered in dust it's just wow <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's that's where we are interesting so... I'm, I'm still so i'd imagine Yeah, you probably have to buy stuff online if it's physical media.
0: Yeah. Um, John, for those that don't know, can you tell uh, the listeners a bit about what you do with your your Star Trek podcast and Mission Log? Yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, um, so I do a a number of shows for Roddenberry. So go to podcasts.roddenberry.com and um, Mission Log is sort of the flagship show. You know, we started that in 2012 with the mission of every week examining a single episode of star trek and doing it roughly in a uh, series order not in strict chronological order but in the series order starting with tos and uh, we're now coming in close on the end of ds9 uh, so probably like another year to go with that uh, we also do a live show that is concurrent with any new star trek that's on the air and uh, 2020 was a big year for new star trek and there will be a lot more new Star Trek coming, so that's cool. Um, also, producing uh, the Trek files with Larry and Image Tech, producing Sci Fi Five, which is our newest show—a daily five-minute sci-fi history podcast. So um, go go download them all;
0: they're, they're all great. <laughs> I Mark, promise. <laughs> and I, I am a listener of several, those. So, <laughs> Mark, you have hi. I've scored a film that? called. Oh. You go ahead. Yes. Yes. Same. <laughs> I have scored a film
2: called Snowblind. uh, You can follow it on Instagram, Snowblind Film, I believe. Just search for Snowblind. It'll be dropping in 2021. Uh, You can find my music at Stunrunner Music at Twitter. Sorry, I just made that, so I have to remember that. (laughs) Uh, And when you listen to this in the future, there'll be music there, I promise. Okay. Uh, Also, uh, Stunrunner at BamCamp.com okay and i'll podcast a whole bunch apparently
0: that, that's enough plug now I'll, I'll, I'll shut well, up for the day but uh, slow. yeah i you know, know. You,
2: plug... <laughs> you, you, you just
0: don't want to have to remember the letters that's right you're actually correct i might plug it in later <laughs> okay i'll do it um uh, MLS pod at twitter facebook I, I just can't i can't Very spell good.
2: yeah okay it's, well it's an acronym it's not a word so yeah yeah, yeah exactly
0: it's not spelling <laughs> well memorization. I, I guess Mark, you want to send people out of the sanctuary today? Okay.
2: B-d-b-d-b-d-b-d-b-d. Get out of here. Get out of here.
0: Next week, Star Trek Generations.